Mm-hmm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Butterfly Kisses, a journey of spiritual transformation. I am your host, Amy Gray Cunningham, and today we are joined by a best-selling author who happens to have be a best-selling author in not one, not two, but three categories on Amazon for her book titled Wisdom on the Camino. And her name is Kathleen Donnelly Israel. And I would love for you to welcome her today on our show. I am just going to go straight into it because her story is so fabulous and so amazing. And I want her just to just tell us about her story and the her journey on the Camino and what it was like for her and the people that she met, because I think it's really going to just blow your mind away. And she's also 72 years old. <laughs> She's done this fabulous journey. So welcome, Kathleen, to the show. Kathleen, thank Thank you you for joining us. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you. Um, Yeah, so I, my husband was an athlete and it was so sad when he got Parkinson's disease. And when we got married, I was 20 years old. And I remember thinking, yeah, my life is not my own anymore. I'm married to Ron and we're going to do this till death do us part. And so when he got sick, I was just like, okay, well, this is the plan. I'm taking care of him. And I never thought of doing anything else. Mm-hmm. And so he was okay for a while. And then in 2010, he became totally disabled, couldn't talk, couldn't walk. And he just really enjoyed his life sitting there watching cowboy movies and It wasn't that he was sad about it. He wasn't sad about it. He embraced his disease. There I was trying to cure him. I like searched all the cures and he didn't Mm -hmm. want to do any of that stuff. He didn't want me to be his healer. He wanted me to love him the way he was. And so when I got over it, I could do that. But anyway, so after 2010, I actually did have to be home all the time. And so I, in the evenings, I would study online with many enlightened thought leaders and did a lot of personal healing. I had post-traumatic stress disorder from my childhood. And so I had a lot of healing to do. And so God would send me one healer and I would buy their program and listen to the tapes at night. And then when I was done with them, wasn't really interested anymore. God would send me another one. And that just went on for the eight eight years till he died. And I, through those years, I developed some philosophies of my own and I wanted to share them. So after Ron died, I I decided to walk the Camino Santiago de Compostelo in Spain. My girlfriend had done it in 2013. And I just, Ron and I had ideas of what we would do in our old age. I thought I would be riding my bicycle across Spain with Ron in our old age. And then when he got sick, I was like, okay, well, we need another dream here. Mm -hmm. So when I heard about the Camino, I thought, okay, this is my dream. This is what I'm going to do when Ron's done with his disease. And so he died in August, 2018. And I, by January, I was thinking, okay, so I need to make this happen. So I started studying how to pack for the Camino, what I needed to take. And there's YouTubes, there's all kinds of podcasts about it. And so I just 
did my homework about it. And I had been walking with my friend Severa for, I don't know, maybe five years. We would walk five miles, three days a week. And that didn't even make me break out a sweat. So I thought, well, you know, I can walk five miles before lunch, five miles after lunch, and I could, I could do this. And then my sister-in-law, she's like, Kathleen, you're going to have to go over mountains. You need to practice on mountains. So she would take me out and we would hike up mountains. And that was, I mean, I was just so grateful to her for that. And also I used to volunteer at a horse ranch, a horse ranch for autistic kids. They would do horseback riding with them. And so I used to go and clean the stalls and tote the pucky, you know, in wheelbarrows. And so I had, I was pretty strong. I had a strong core from doing that. So I, I was pretty ready to go on the Camino, walk 500 miles across Northern Spain. So I did that. And I, along the way, I had occasion to meet people and I shared with them my philosophies on the Camino. And so when I went to write my book, I thought, I didn't want to be all teachy. I thought, oh, I'll write my book about walking the Camino and telling people about my philosophies. And that's how I shared my philosophies in my book. Anyway, it was a wonderful experience. And yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> now you walked the Camino by yourself, correct? Yeah, but I, I don't like to say that I walked by myself because I had my angels with me. I, I have four angels that I know personally, and I just took them with me and they protected me. So I, I don't feel like I, I didn't feel like I was alone. And mm -hmm. so I just expected them to protect me and whatever angels do. <laughs> so Can you tell us about your angels. Well, a long time ago when my children, I have five children and when they were little, they belonged to this group. It was called Soldiers of Mary. It was just made up by one of our neighbors and the kids would go in there and say a decade of the rosary. And then they would do corporal works of mercy. They would make cards and take them to the nursing home and give them to them and befriend the people at the nursing home. And they would just did different things for the community. And one time Gretchen, <laughs> Gretchen told me, we had, we had a coloring page and we colored our guardian angel. It's a, you know, it's a picture of a guardian angel and two little children. I don't know if you've seen it, but that's what we colored. And then she guided us to sit there quietly and ask our guardian angel what their name was. And so I did it too. So I was sitting there and I'm like, okay, guardian angel, what's your name? And, and the guardian angel said, Lunk. And I'm like, Lunk, what, <laughs> what, what kind of name is that? And then I got this image in my head of this giant guy, angel sitting next to me on a bench. And there we were, and he had his arm around me. And I thought, well, that makes sense. That's the kind of guardian angel I needed in my life. So the next year she did it again. And there I was, okay, guardian angel, what's your name? And I got the name Mary Bell. And I'm like, okay. And, and then I, I got this image of Mary Bell, this gregarious flittering around. She was smaller and she was just this happy angel fluttering around. And I thought, whoa, 
that, you know, I can take balance from the two of them. Mm-hmm. And then, so that that's my second angel. And then I live in an area that there are skunks and I used to walk in the evening and I'm like, I could smell the skunks and I did not want to meet a skunk. And so I asked God to send me some angels to protect me as I walked in my neighborhood. And so I did, I got two angels and I, you know, I could imagine their wings going up over me just while I walked, their wings were like this over me. Mm -hmm. And so that was really cool. And one of them's name was Pio Nomi. And she kind of wears a sage green and purple flowers robe. And then the other one, oh my gosh, her name was Aloysia. And And she wore black and red robes. And I thought, well, that doesn't sound very angelic. But then I thought, I live right by San Diego State University. So that's San Diego State's colors. I guess it did make sense. So those are the four angels that I know personally. And then I I call upon other angels too sometimes to help me. Mm -hmm. They all work with us. They're God's gifts to us. Yeah. Yeah. So you can see how protected I was when I went on the Camino. (laughs) (laughs) You were very protective. I was, yeah, in many ways. So I had a couple questions about Ron. How, you said that he really embraced his illness. Right. How how did he do that? He, He relaxed into his illness. For a long time, he could do things. He could walk around and he wanted to do the medical model for his illness. And I was just like noticing that before he started taking those meds, he could actually move. But after he started taking the meds, he couldn't move unless he took the meds. And that really irritated me. Mm-hmm. But he was, he was like, okay, this is how it is. This is what they told me to do. This is what I'm doing. And I'm just kind of a natural healing person. So it was just like, oh man, this is, this is not good, you know, but still it was his disease. And so I had to honor him because, well, I want (laughs) to, I want to say that I do, I do transformational breathing with people. Mm -hmm. I'm a transformational breathing facilitator. And one of the tools I use is Louise Hay book. You can heal your life. And in the back of the book, she has all these illnesses that you could possibly have and the reason why you have them Mm -hmm. and then affirmations to help you resolve them. So you look up Parkinson's disease and it says these people want to have control. And so me trying to break that down wasn't the kind of life I wanted to live. You know what I mean? I didn't want to push back on, on his, you know, it was a, a growing thing for him that he needed to resolve himself. Not me say, oh yeah, you couldn't, you shouldn't be like that. I, I needed to honor him where he was in his um, spiritual journey and his disease. So that's what I did. I just, I, (laughs) I actually, there was a doctor. I also sell negative ion clothes. So there was this doctor. He wanted to know about it. He was a retired doctor and he came and he, 
he looked at Ron and he goes, okay, now I know why I came here. I'm going to cure Ron. And so he set about, he told me to juice carrots and green apples and celery and feed them to him and also do like three coffee enemas a day. Yeah. <laughs> so we got to do that too. And, <laughs> and, and so that's what I did. That, that's what we did. That's how I could support him. And he was willing to do what that doctor said. He's like, oh, cool. So immediately after he stopped taking his meds, he couldn't move anymore. Right. And there I was with Ron, you know, I, I found ways to get him around and do things with him. At that time, he was still going to the bathroom in the, in the bathroom and it was, we hadn't started the diapers yet. And so anyway, you know, I got to, I got to just be his helpmate. He wanted me to help him. So that's what I did. Did I answer your question? Yeah, no, that's a beautiful thing. That is, <laughs> that's, that's beautiful that you, you were able to do that for him. Yeah, you know, and, and I got into the philosophy that, you know what, if we're going to do death do us part, I would prefer to be the well one <laughs> instead of him caring for me, you know, mm -hmm. and so you got to, you got to take your blessings as they come. And that was my blessing that I could care for him instead of him caring for me, if we're going to do the death do us part thing. Well, hopefully we all get to do the death do us part thing. <laughs> I mean, some of, some of us can, and some of us can't, you, you know, there's no shame in what we need to do. And I could live with him mm -hmm. for our whole life. We were married 48 years when he finally died. So I thought we'd make it to 50, but no, <laughs> we were 48. <laughs> oh, so. Yeah. So what were some of you said that you learned some philosophies during the time that Ron was sick and mm -hmm. that you, you were talking about them on the Camino with the people that you met, what were some, right. of the, what were some of the things that you learned and that you, that you shared? Yeah. A very special one for me is that God gives us free will and God wants us to do our will. And we're like God's paintbrush out here in the world. And I think people who are waiting around to find out what God wants of us, they don't get it. We are just, you know, God created us with our genius mm -hmm. and we need to go and use our genius to create in this world. And that is God's glory. So it's really a cop out to say, yeah, I'm just going to wait and see what God wants me to do. No, you need to realize what pleases you and what pleases you pleases the God in you. And then you can create the other part of that is vulnerability. It's such a desired state is to be vulnerable. I used to think, cause I had abuse in my childhood and I used to think, well, nobody should expect me to be vulnerable because I have this deep, dark pain. And now I realize vulnerability is the creative space. You can't be totally creative unless you are vulnerable and realize the possibilities in your life. 
there's endless possibilities. You can't get it wrong. You just have to try. And so going out and doing my life in this way is like, you know, I go out there and I say stuff and I'm like, oh man, I wish I hadn't said that. And, <laughs> and then I need to, instead of being mortified, which is what, what I used to do, just be mortified, stay inside, hide and cry. Mm-hmm. And now I say to myself, well, can, I'm so proud of you for being out there. You are a valiant spirit and you are out there doing things. Of course, things aren't going to go right all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I applaud you, Kathleen, for doing this. And so that's why, you know, when I get all mortified, I'm like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Congratulations. I'm so proud of you. You know, that's what I say to myself now, you know, when like, <laughs> here I am out here talking to you, right? Mm-hmm. And, and perhaps I will say something foolish or I don't know, but anyway, <laughs> then I need to go in there and say, congratulations for being out there, Kathleen. I, I acknowledge you and, and I applaud you. So that's one of them. And that goes right along with Ho'oponopono because Ho'oponopono is, well, it's a Hawaiian healing technique for the family. And you don't really have to talk to the person either. Like it's a healing technique and you can talk to them. That's fine. Or you can just not talk to them. But the the cool thing about Ho'oponopono is it helps loose our binds that we have with other people that cause us to get in hot water or whatever, you know, happens with these people that maybe are our pain in the neck people or something. So we have, there's binds between us. Anybody who causes us grief, there's a bind between us and we can loosen that bind. And then we don't have that relationship with that person anymore. They are not drawn to cause us grief anymore. And so you can do this on any scale, any scale. And Really, it's, it's up to us to create a good vibration in the world. And we need to create it in ourselves first. And then we can share it, cause it in other people, you know, all kinds of stuff. The Ho'oponopono is, um, I love you. And it's, I love God. God loves me. God loves that other person. They love God. If you can manage it, you can say, I love them. But if you can't, it's all right. You don't have to. I mean, there's no shame in this at all. The whole thing is no shame. Okay, so I love you. I'm sorry. And it's not I'm sorry I did something wrong, but I'm sorry the situation exists between me and them or me and some entity. Something happened and I don't feel good. You know, I'm sorry that I attracted this. And then you say, please forgive me for what's going on in me that caused me to attract that, this. And that acknowledges that for some reason I have a low vibration and I have attracted some thing into me that hurts me. Maybe I got a button pushed, but that button exists in me that attracted that in. So please forgive me for what's going on in me that caused me to attract this. And then you say, thank you. And it's not thank you for forgiving me, but it's thank you for showing me this so I could heal. If, if this person wasn't my enemy, 
and I didn't feel this pain, I couldn't find the pain to heal it. It, it had to happen this way. So I found my pain. I healed it. Thank you for showing me this so I could heal. And then I love you. I love God. God loves me. God loves that other person. That other person loves God. Maybe by then you could say, I love them. <laughs> but it, it's like, I don't really, I mean, forgiveness is a beautiful thing in its own way. But I don't even feel like I need to forgive anybody anymore because I attracted all this stuff in. And they were just doing what they do, maybe crazy and uninspired or whatever, but I did attract them in. If I didn't have this low vibrational pain inside of me, I wouldn't have attracted them in. They wouldn't have come in because I, you know, I wouldn't. So all the things that happened to me, even stubbing my toe, show me, oh my gosh, was I doing the monkey mind thinking of poor me or something? Something that I was thinking that was low vibrational that brought some little pain into my life. You know, that's what you, what you were just talking about for those who don't know, right before we hit the, the record button and actually after we hit the record button, even still, <laughs> I, had, I had two, two salespeople come to the door and I never have salespeople come to the door and it was just back to back and it was really interesting. And as you're talking, I, it, it dawned on me why they came and it was a trigger for me because I've been so crazy all day with hitting deadlines on different things for work. Mm -hmm. And it's just one thing right after another, after another, after another. And you reminded me to stop and breathe. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> important. Yes, <laughs> and breathing is important. Stop and breathe. And and these, these people coming to the door and interrupting my podcasting moment. <laughs> right. And, and here they were attracted in by our vibration. <laughs> they were like, <laughs> so yes. And once we took a moment to settle down, they've gone away now. So, mm. but, so thank you for reminding me of that. Yeah. <laughs> Take a moment, center yourself, breathe, release and, and move forward. So that's one of the blessings of Ron's illness is that I got to study online all these enlightened thought leaders. You know, it slowed me down for sure. I had yeah. to quit my job. And I asked my son, who is a salesman, and he does actually make a, quite a bit of money. And I asked him to give me $500 a month because I had to quit my job, mm -hmm. you know, and I needed that money to pay some bills. So mm -hmm. I had to be home to, you know, with Ron. Yeah. To take care of him. Mm -hmm. So how do you work with your angels? For those who don't know anything about angels or working with angels on a daily basis, I love working with angels, but mm. I think I find it really fascinating. How do you work with your angels? One of the ways is with the Ho'oponopono. I have to tell you that when I was on vacation one time and I had just learned the Ho'oponopono, I was using it and like when you try and go to sleep at night and your monkey mind brings up the things that didn't go right. And then you get this low vibrational, I can't sleep thing going on. And so I was doing the Ho'oponopono. I'm like, well, I can't sleep. I might as well try practice this thing. And I was starting to feel guilty, shame. And I'm like, oh, I must be doing it wrong because this is not about shame at all. And so, you know, I'd say, I'm sorry. And I'm like, I'm feeling like 
shame. And, and so I, I had to change it up a little bit. And so what I did was when I said, I forgive me, no, I please forgive me. And then I said, I forgive me. And then I said, I forgive it up. And I would feel like, like the first time I felt like this giant refrigerator size pain come out of my heart and go up to God. And I was just blown away. I'm quite visual. I'm an artist. I can see stuff in my mind. I'm sorry. So anyway, I, wow, that's cool. So then I would try and sleep and then some more stuff would come up and I would do the Ho'oponopono and, and try and, you know, I forgive it up type of thing. And like, sometimes it didn't go out. I could feel it staying in me. And so I said to my angels, please come in and untie this. It's stuck in me and I need it out. So I just tried to imagine my angels going in there and untying things. And I said, pull it out from the beginning of my being. And, you know, I was just trying to get it out. And so that's one way that I work with my angels that I ask them to help me do things like that. And so that's one way I work with my angels. I ask them to help me get my pain out. I, I really have a lot of pain in my heart from my childhood. And also, like I said, with my angels, they walk with me in my neighborhood to keep the skunks away. And, you know, when I go to other countries and stuff, they, they go with me. And I, one time when I was up in Canada, I was, my husband and I were walking and, and I was for some reason concerned that we were vulnerable. It was a long, long time ago before I studied with my enlightened thought leaders and stuff. And I, I felt fear. I, all of a sudden I saw some pillars of light coming down and I'm like, oh, those must be angels. Okay. We're fine. I don't know if there was something to be afraid of, but I, all of a sudden I did get afraid. And then I saw these pillars of light and I'm like, oh, cool. And I really saw them with my eyes too. It was like, awesome. you know, okay. And so that, that was one, that was pretty major actually. But anyway, I believe in angels. I call upon angels to help me release my pain in my heart. And there did you go. Ron believe in an afterlife or? Yes, Ron did believe in an afterlife. I don't know if, I mean, the like a couple of, he, when he died, it was kind of like a gift to me because I had been taking care of him for so long. And the next thing to do, he couldn't swallow anymore. The next thing to do would be to get a feeding tube. And he decided that um, rather than get a feeding tube, he would just go. So we signed him up for hospice. They came and he was gone within a week. But it was really amazing. The, the day before he went into a coma, he was like laying there in bed and he was just, it was like, look, you know, he was pointing at different things in the air. And I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe his, the people who, you know, went before him or maybe angels. I really don't know. He couldn't talk. He, I mean, evidently he did know this stuff. He saw it. I don't think he had to believe it. He saw it. Yeah. And maybe he did. I know he believed in an afterlife. 
I know that mm-hmm. we're, we both, we're both Catholic, you know, Catholics believe in an afterlife. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's <awful>. what we do. <laughs> so, yeah. So you decided to take this adventure all by yourself after he had passed with your angels. Yeah. And so yeah. what did your kids think? Well, for some reason they were supportive, you know, maybe because I had taken care of Ron for so long and they just went, maybe wanted to be supportive, but my daughter, Carla made a WhatsApp for me and called it mom's walk around, walk about check-in. So, <laughs> so I went in there and told them all my gory details on, on my Facebook page. I shared all, uh, you know, all my pictures and a bunch of stories with my friends, but I didn't tell them the gory details. So the gory details were in the WhatsApp to my kids and the good, the bad, the beautiful, and the ugly was going on over there on my Camino. (laughs) So when you, when you go to the Camino, do you have places to stay? Did you have reservations at hotels or do you camp out or what, what? Well, when I, when I studied, when I studied about how to do this, the lady, I went to a lecture at my library of a person who had gone and she showed us how to pack light and lightly and also she told us make reservations for the first three nights so I went online and I make reservations for the first three nights and then the first night she said stay at the Bellari in Saint-Jean it's in France so you walk over the Pyrenees after that but so I stayed at the Bellari I made a reservation there and about the other two reservations, there was snow on the Pyrenees and it was against the law to go over the Pyrenees. They didn't want to have to save anybody. So you had to walk around. And so those two reservations over the Pyrenees didn't happen. You know, I didn't have to cancel because they all knew nobody's coming. Mm -hmm. And so, so the next night I did not have a reservation, but anyway, I got to Val Carlos, which is where I had planned on going. And there was a bottom bunk available for me. So I was very happy and went up and I claimed a bottom bunk and went up. They said to go up to the grocery store and tell the lady, she said, I thought I had to give her the money there. And she said, no, I'll come down and collect it after the store closes. So she came down later, but it was so funny that there was a, a young woman, 18 years old. And when she saw me, she's thinking, oh, old lady, we're not going to have any fun. And I probably looked holy or something. And, (laughs) and she said, well, there's a hotel up in town. I think you'd be more comfortable there. And I just told her, no, I'm on a low budget. I'm going to stay at the Albergue. And the Albergues are usually, they're, they're in every, a lot of towns. They're, they could be like five euros to 12 euros to stay at the Albergue. And a lot of times they will give you breakfast, maybe a cold breakfast, like a yogurt, and they'll leave toast there and a toaster and some butter, you know, and Mm -hmm. just a real rudimentary breakfast. In the towns where there was no restaurant and no grocery store, they would provide the food, you know, the dinner and the, you know, the food. But if there was a grocery store in town, they would probably provide a kitchen so you could cook yourself some food or there were restaurants and sometimes there was no store but there was a restaurant and they would say okay you have to go there to have dinner and they would have a pilgrim meal that was maybe 12 euros and so you would go there and eat dinner 
And so it's all set up. There's churches or monasteries or convents or even a municipality. They would provide an an albergue. And Mm -hmm. it was understood that it would be very cheap. And so, yeah, when I went on the Camino was before COVID, but this last year I I did the Camino again in Portugal. I walked from Lisbon to Santiago and it was a little bit different because there weren't as many albergues open because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And so it was more difficult. I, sometimes I could not, I mean, I'm not going to be walking 35 kilometers. That's when the, the next albergue was 35 kilometers. And so what I had to do was I walked as far as I could, took a bus back to the place I stayed the night before and stayed there and then took a bus back in the morning to that place and then kept walking. So that wasn't as fun. It was more fun to just walk and keep going every day. And you felt like you were accomplishing something. This back and forth thing was just something I had to do because Mm -hmm. I, I, I did actually want to walk the whole thing. I'm, I was with a woman and she would take, instead of going back to the last place, she would take a cab to the next place you know, mm-hmm. she didn't want to walk 35, but she, she wanted to get there and I didn't want to do that. So I went back to the place before <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to walk the whole thing, but you know, it was, it was wonderful. And I, I just met so many wonderful people and I walk slow. I, and so that's one reason why I had to go by myself. Cause I walk slow. Nobody's going to walk as slow as me. Mm-hmm. There was one woman that I passed, actually one, the whole time <laughs> I passed this lady, she's from New York and she was walking and I passed her up. Actually, I walked with her for a little while and then I had to go to the bathroom. And so I said, how about if we stop in this bar and get a uh, cerveza con Leon, limon and, you know, use the restroom. And she said, I'm sorry, I have to keep going or I'll never get there. So I, I left her and then I did my thing and I came back to the Camino and I walked and I passed her up. We were passing each other up the whole way that day, but it was so lovely to have that experience of passing somebody up because everybody used to go shoom, 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 past me all the time. So that was, that was lovely. <laughs> But I, one of the things that I did was I found heart-shaped rocks along the way. Mm -hmm. And I used to go to school in Switzerland in the summer for a couple of years. And I started finding heart-shaped rocks and I would bring them home and give them to Ron to let him know I was thinking about him while I was gone. And so as I was walking, I kept seeing heart-shaped rocks. They were everywhere. Like every 10th step, I would see a heart-shaped rock. And I'm like, okay, I think Ron's here with me. Oh, he I, was. I, I, think he, I think he was. Yeah, I'm sure of it. And I never picked him up. I thought, well, I'll just leave him there. Somebody else will see him. It'll be great. And then I met this guy from Australia. And he said, yeah, I used to, I read a book about a woman and she kept seeing heart-shaped rocks and she would pick them up and give them to people so they would feel special. I think you should pick them up. 
And I'm like, oh, I think I should leave them. And he goes, no, 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 pick them up and share them with people along the way. And so that's what I started doing. And I would have like five heart-shaped rocks in my pocket at any time along the Camino. And I would give them to people and they did, they felt special. So that was, that was a good idea. <laughs> awesome. You were sharing the love. I was, I was. And one time I went to dinner and this woman, she prepared me dinner. I was the only customer and she prepared me dinner. And then when I paid her, I gave her a heart-shaped rock and, and I said, it's from the Camino. And she said, I'm going to treasure this. And there was another woman that I, I saw her every once in a while. There were like three women together. One of them had a big skirt, long skirt that was gathered at the waist. And I, and then she had two other friends. And so I gave her one also, and she really loved that. I was, you know, it was one of those vulnerable things. It's like, okay, I got this heart-shaped rock. It's no big deal. Here I am going to gift this to this person that I admired. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, she's, it's going to be nothing to her, but I did it anyway. And she loved it. So, you know, little ways to be vulnerable. You never know what's going to touch somebody else's soul. Right, right. <laughs> Until you're vulnerable yourself and just reach out. So that yeah. Was yeah. Thank you, God. <laughs> yeah. So what you wrote that you wrote your book mm-hmm. and what was your inspiration for writing the book other than walking the Camino? I mean, you're. Yeah, I wanted to share my philosophies mm-hmm. and I didn't want to seem teachy. I felt uncomfortable being teachy. Mm-hmm. And so I got to, I got to do the wonderful thing of going back and remembering my Camino and sharing those philosophies with people on the Camino. So I did, I, I mean, when I, you know, when you write a book, you make like a, a diagram. And so uh, way I started my diagram was each of my teachings. Mm-hmm. And then I built the story around about how I taught that to people. And that was my diagram for writing my book. It started out with my teachings and then I wrote around the teachings. And then, you know, I went on my Facebook page and remembered all the pictures and all the, that made me remember the stories. And I wrote it in three months. I mean, it was, it was such a joy. I think it would have been difficult because I, I would have been in that vulnerable space for too long and thinking, oh, is, is anybody going to like this? But just going through and writing down the story of my Camino, it was just so fun to remember those experiences. Would you suggest that anyone and everyone to take a Camino pil- pilgrimage? You know, if you can, if you can, uh, if you can't, you could read my book because I mean, everybody says you're right there with me, but I, there's so many ways to walk the Camino. Some people like some people just can't get away for that long. But if you start in Saria and you walk to Santiago, it's more than 100K. It's just over 100K. And they will give you the, the Compostela certificate if you walk from Saria. A lot of people start in Saria, especially people that don't have very much time. Mm-hmm. Also, if you're not buff, <laughs> 
you know, if you, if you think, oh, I'm not going to be able to walk very far or something, you could just get buff on the Camino. I mean, I used to think, oh, 10 miles a day. So I walk five, five miles before lunch, five miles after lunch. But after a while I did get buff and I got to before lunch, I did the 10 K and I was like, oh, the albergues don't open till two. I better keep walking. So then I was walking 18 K a day or 15 miles a day, or, you know, I was, I upped it after I started because you can't walk that far and not get buff and walking is like one foot in front of the other. Mm -hmm. I, I actually have a foot problem. I have Pez Cavus and I wear special things in my shoes uh, because of that. And sometimes my feet would hurt and I, um, so if my feet hurt, then I would start walking on the outside of my foot and then that would maybe start hurting and I'd walk on the inside of my foot. And, you know, it was just like, I was just going to do it. I was tenacious and I was going to do it. I was going to make it happen. So maybe you can make it happen. Maybe you can't make it happen, but I, I did have adversity in my walking One thing that I was so grateful that my friend Zia taught me Tai Chi walking, which is you roll your foot. So you start with your heel, you roll through through your toe, and then you lift your foot off in the back all the way off the ground before you put it forward again. And that really did help. And it, you know, instead of like most, when you walk, you're like bang, bang, bang on with your foot on the ground. But if Mm -hmm. you do the Tai Chi walking, you're rolling your foot and it's not as much damage to your feet. Mm -hmm. The the first time I did the Camino, it took me about a year for my feet to heal from doing that. But the second time I walked it, I walked just the same amount of distance. They didn't, they weren't, I didn't have any need to recuperate from that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what happened that I don't know. Anyway, the first time I, I did have to recuperate. Some people say my feet got bigger or something. My feet didn't get bigger, but they hurt for quite a while after that. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't wear those boots anymore after that. I felt like they were formed my foot and my foot didn't feel good. So I, I couldn't wear, but now I can wear them. I can wear those boots uh, when I walk. So things change. Your angels healed you. Uh, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe my angels healed me. That would be very nice. I, I will acknowledge that. I, I ask God to heal me constantly. I have pain in my life. And so I, yeah. And with my foot, I have just from the Pez Cavus, I have pain. And so I, I say, dear God, send your Holy spirit into my foot. Make, I don't, I don't say my pain. I say any pain because I don't want to, I don't want to claim it. Mm -hmm. Make any pain go away with your healing grace. I ask this in your name, Jesus. I belong to the God of healing and the God of love. And I claim my healing. Thank you, God. Praise you, God. And I think praising God is a big part of it. And (laughs) I believe that praise is the highest form of prayer. You, it's good to ask God for things and it's good to God to thank God for things. So asking God is a very high vibrational thing to do. Thanking God is a very high vibrational thing to do, but 
praising God is the highest vibration. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I love that. I believe that's what I believe. <laughs> no, I, I believe it. It, raises, it raises your vibration and absolutely kind of praise. Yeah, definitely. definitely. When I think I want God to give me guidance, I think, you know what, Kathleen, you need to raise your vibration. If you want to hear God give you it. So I, I think of ways to raise my vibration. Ho'oponopono is a very good way. Praising God is a very good way. I, I went, I, I was looking for like praise songs or something. And I went online and put in praise, but a lot of the praise songs, they're gratitude songs and asking songs. And I'm like, no, I want praise songs. So what I did was I would listen, listen to the songs and I write down the praise phrases in the song. And then I just have a list of praise phrases. And so I can say them. And I actually recorded myself saying them so I, I can listen to it too, if I don't want to use my eyes for praise. That's pretty ingenious. I love that. Mm. I like that. Do you have that like online somewhere or? I, you know what? I, I have it. I have it in my little blue book by, I have in my front room, I have like a holy place where I can sit. And so I have it in my little blue book there, but I, I have typed it out on my, let me see. I'm, I don't know if I could find it. Oh, okay. Here it is. So I could read some to you. Sure. Okay. So these are what I say. I say miracle worker. Even when I don't feel it, you are working. Praise, your heart is kind. Grace, my heart and soul. I worship your holy name. You are here working in this place, touching every heart. My light in the darkness. You never change. You never fail. King of kings, Lord of lords. Across the oceans, I worship you. On the highest hill, I adore you. Joy to the world. Joy unspeakable. Hallelujah. The choirs of heaven adore you. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. And it just goes on and on. Those are like, I was listening to songs when I was, <laughs> I, I just wrote down the praise parts of the songs. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's so intentional and just, yeah, beautiful. I got the idea from this lady that was she was quite old. She was actually my mother's babysitter when my mother was a child. <laughs> and we went to her, I don't know, 90 some something birthday party. And she shared her prayer list, you know, her praise list with me. And I, and it was mostly, you know, noticing nature and stuff. And mm-hmm. anyway, I, so when I, I don't have Ron now to talk to, and I, I have plenty of time to talk to God. Mm-hmm. So I, I just thought, oh, I'm going to do that. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, where can people find your book? Where can it's on find? Amazon. It's on Amazon, Wisdom on the Camino. And here is the book, Wisdom on the Camino, Spiritual Journey, Sharing Forgiveness and Possibilities to Inspire the Rest of Your Life by Kathleen Donnelly Israel. So it, yeah. And anyway, it's it's on a, it's a quite a low price on the digital book, but anyway, the, if you like to hold a book in your hand, you can get the regular book. <laughs> I like Kindle books, but uh, there's nothing like holding a regular book in your hand. So. Yeah. And then you could pass it on to somebody. Mm-hmm. If you, if you get it and you don't want to keep it, you can 
pass it along and then my teachings will get out there. <laughs> Thank <Yay>. you, God. <laughs> yes, yes, pass it on, pass it on. Well, one other question that I like to ask everyone, if you have an hour to sit on the Camino with someone, mm-hmm. <laughs> whether that person be on this side of the veil or on the other side of the veil, mm-hmm. who would that be? And what would you talk about? Oh, okay. So you're saying on the other side of the veil, mm-hmm. you know what I re- I mean, I, I miss my husband, but I miss my aunt Loretta and she, mm-hmm. she taught me to sew she was, she was a very positive influence in my life. So I, when I, if I wanted to tell somebody about something, I have a very special prayer that I say that is a miracle prayer. Mm-hmm. And that miracle prayer is dear God, please make everything turn out. Okay. And then you just let God make everything turn out. Okay. And the miracles that happen when you say that it's like, I say it when I can't, I can't do this. I can't make this better, whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that, that is very special to me. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I love that prayer. Mm. Well, Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story with us and your book and your wisdom and your philosophies. And I just love it. You've been so much fun to have on today. Thank you so much. I have enjoyed this. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Butterfly Kisses, a journey of spiritual transformation. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe by hitting the subscribe button. This way you won't miss it when a new episode is released. Also, if you're interested in learning more about Akashic Record readings, you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with me by visiting my website at amygraycunningham.com. Again, thank you. And remember, always spread your gorgeous wings, my friend, and fly. Until next time, see ya.